what we're going to talk about today is how to avoid turning intuitive eating into your next best diet. And we wanted to talk about this because we see this all the time. We really just want to kind of dive into this topic that intuitive eating, it is not a diet plan and it is not the eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full diet. And we want to just really kind of talk about like why this happens and there's no shame that this is happening. And we're going to give you some tools on basically how to kind of shift away from that if you do find yourself thinking that is kind of me. I realize I'm doing that. Welcome to the Love Your Food, Love Yourself podcast. I am Tammy, your tenacious and fun-loving host. I have been a dietitian for 20 years where I have helped countless women transform their relationship with food and their body. I believe to my core that as you start peeling back the layers to love your food and love yourself, you end up loving your life like never before. And now is the time, my friend. It is time to break up with diet culture, shift your current stories, rev up your internal barometer, and recognize that every body, regardless of size, not only deserves dignity and respect, but can be healthy because our habits and how we love on ourselves and think about ourselves is truly what matters. In this podcast, we have real conversations about struggles, insecurities, and false beliefs with loving ourselves and each other through a lens of curiosity, anti-judgment, intuitive eating, spirituality, and a heaping dose of laughter, but maybe some tears and a whole lot of realness. Hey friends, it's Tammy here and Beth. Yay. Hello. Glad Beth is back with me. So it's been a few weeks since Beth has been here on the podcast and I'm so excited. If you can't tell, uh, my husband always says that I oftentimes sing when I'm excited (laughs) and I don't know how to sing, but I'm singing right now. So yay, Beth is back on the podcast. So anyways, welcome Beth. Thanks, Tammy. You know, I love being here. So <laughs> while I might not sing, I share in the excitement 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, I am not a great singer. So I'm going to practice maybe, um, you know, actually, I'm just going to practice not caring that I'm not a good singer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anyhow, what we're going to talk about today is how to avoid turning intuitive eating into your next best diet. And We wanted to talk about this because we see this all the time. We see this in Beth's coaching program. We see this in our free mindful and intuitive eating group. I hear this from random people that I talk to who may know a little bit about intuitive eating. And if I have to be really honest, I think I probably did it at one point myself. So we really just want to kind of dive into this topic that intuitive eating, it is not a diet plan. And it is not the eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full diet. And we want to just really kind of talk about like why this happens. And there's no shame that this is happening. And we're going to give you some tools on basically how to kind of shift away from that. If you do find yourself thinking that is kind of me, I realize I'm doing that. So anyhow, the first thing I think we want to talk a little bit about is just why do we do this? So Beth, would you like to take the first stab at why do we do this? Why do we naturally turn intuitive eating into a diet a little bit? 
You know, Tammy, it's a great question. I think the answer will vary a little bit from person to person, but in my observation and own personal experience, because like you, um, I have done the same. (laughs) I actually joined the intuitive eating movement, if you will, over 10 years ago, because I wanted to lose weight. I mean, I, I literally saw it as the next quote unquote diet plan. And I think that because we're so many women that we work with, are on that hamster wheel and they've been on that hamster wheel of dieting or some type of restriction or some type of eating plan or exercise plan. There's always been something to control their body that has been over the past years or decades of their life. We have to recognize and appreciate that this is a part of their, who they are. It's part of their identity. It's part of their form of habit. And so when they step into intuitive eating, while they are totally liberated by the concept, right? So in our cognitive thinking brain, we read maybe the book, maybe we listen to a podcast or whatever. We start to pick up information or knowledge. We get really excited because this new way of thinking is really, really revolutionary and exciting. And we may even start to feel the benefit right away just because it almost opens this door into our brain of like, wow, there is a different way to do food and body. This is super cool. But that new way is coming up against potentially decades of us needing to control our food, control our bodies on some level. So it makes sense and it's totally human that that old way of thinking, because it's so deeply rooted in how our brain operates, is going to want to be expressed, if you will, like those neural pathways are strong. (laughs) So, um, so intuitive eating, while it's, we can kind of grasp the concepts we tend to, and we'll talk about some different talking points here about what exactly it looks like. But that's what I see, Tammy, um, from, again, my own personal experience and then that of working with my clients is that there is, yeah, this, there's just this habitual thing going on that, oh, this is just yet another way to control my body or control the outcome. It's kind of almost like, for example, when we learn how to drive and now as adults, like we've probably most of us have been driving a car for quite some time. And it's very thoughtless, right? When we go to get into our current vehicle and, you know, we get in, we can start it, we put our seatbelt on, we know how to use the radio, all those things. And that's because we have those neural pathways that you spoke of that basically have learned, this is how I do it. And so we become kind of on autopilot a little bit, right? When it comes to driving. And so it's the same way as we've become kind of autopiloted, right? Towards being on a diet that that's what our brain has known. And so that's what our brain wants to go back to. But what's happening right now is we're upgrading and buying a 2022 smart car, which (laughs) I have actually kind of joked around about that. I'm like, I don't know if I can ever get a new car because I'm not going to know how to use all of the things. (laughs) I've been in other people's cars that are super updated and I'm really confused by all of the buttons. So Anyhow, but when we're you know bringing in an intuitive eating, it it can feel kind of like a, a new car, and so it's really exciting and fun, right? <laughs> but there's some of those um, rooted neural pathways that are still just kind of wanting to go back to dieting. And here's the thing: is when we're driving that new car, like we're going to still know how to stop at a stop sign, and we're going to still know how to you know drive on the 
correct side of the road and, and all those things. So with intuitive eating, we're like completely changing some of those neural pathways. So it's a little bit different than getting that new car. We're not going to be keeping any of those pieces that were from diet culture. So they can really just kind of easily sneak in. Would you agree, Beth? I would. And I think it might be helpful for those listening to understand, like, what does it look like when somebody is dietizing, if you will, the intuitive eating journey? I think that might be helpful for people because I think this is great. But what do you specifically see, Tammy, from your clients, from the interactions we have on our Facebook group that I guess indicate to you that somebody is using intuitive eating as a diet? Like, what are the key signs of doing this, would you say? Well, I think that's an excellent question. And there's a few key signs, I would say. But one of the number one key signs I would say that we see is when people fall into the pattern of thinking called the all or nothing thinking or the black and white type thinking where there's a right way to do intuitive eating. There's a wrong way to do intuitive eating. You have to eat the right amount of food. You have to be the perfect amount of hunger. You have to be the correct amount of fullness. So it's either maybe a toss up between the all or nothing thinking or still kind of expecting perfectionism, right? Anyhow, I would say more so though, the, the all or nothing thinking. So what we oftentimes are going to see are things like, well, how do I know perfectly when I'm eating the right amount of food, right? What's the amount that I'm supposed to eat? Or for example, I've heard comments like, well, I ate past my fullness level that I know. And so now I'm not doing intuitive eating. Yes. Sorry, Tammy, I have to yeah. interject to tag on to that. I also hear, oh, I ate emotionally yesterday. Like I, I was an emotional eater yesterday. Therefore, I'm not being intuitive. Right. Exactly. As if, again, sorry, just to give another example of what I hear is like, I, w- I was totally emotionally at the cookie. I wasn't even hungry and therefore I'm a failure. It's like, we instantly go into that. I'm a failure because I didn't do the thing. Right. So it just goes on top of what you're saying about this all or nothing thinking. Yeah. Like thinking about every single principle that I have to follow it a hundred percent of the time perfectly. Otherwise I'm not being an intuitive eater. So that's the thing is, you know, intuitive eating is not meant to be within that scope of all or nothing thinking. What intuitive eating really allows people to do is to really cultivate that self-awareness to start noticing more how their body is feeling, how they might be making their choices and just really what their experience is like. And then over time, you might be able to start noticing some patterns where you can shift and change. And so just to bring this down to the tangible example. So Beth, you mentioned one and, but first let's go over that tangible example of I ate past my fullness point. Therefore I'm no longer an intuitive eater. And one of the other pieces here, right, is that okay, I'm noticing (laughs) that I ate past my fullness point. So you've cultivated that self-awareness because you're noticing it, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of getting into that trap of, well, why did I choose? Why did I not stop? And right when we start asking ourselves, why didn't I do this better or what have you, that's going to instantly take us into that guilt and shame path. 
But instead, we want to be asking ourselves, well, okay, I ate past my fullness point. What can I learn from this? And I'll also add to it, how can I trust my body to still naturally regulate? Bingo. Yeah, Tammy. What we see happen, right, is that if we were to perfectly, because this doesn't even happen, you guys, okay, but I'm just going to pretend. We perfectly eat from that three to a seven point on the hunger and fullness scale, okay? You're going to notice that you're probably hungry at a very specific interval. However, comma, if you were to, when you win, you eat (laughs) to an eight, nine, or maybe even 10, because we've all been there. We're all humans, right? What you're likely going to notice and observe is that you're not hungry as soon as you might've been had you stopped sooner. And so that's the beauty of your body is self-regulating. Now, in the future, you could choose to maybe stop a little bit sooner if you want to, because maybe you feel really uncomfortable. And so now you're choosing to stop a little bit sooner just because you're uncomfortable and it's maybe a different way of you honoring and respecting your body. But that's really up to whoever is going through that experience of what they want. Yeah. And I love how you're, you're redefining it because a lot of the intuitive eating process, at least how I know you and I teach it. I don't know that every intuitive eating counselor teaches it this way, but it's a lot of reframing and a lot of shifting and reprogramming of how we habitually think about food. And that takes time. So again, you know, when we dietize and I use that word you know, just to make a point here, when we dietize intuitive eating, we have to recognize that again, we're relearning, we're learning how to drive the smart car (laughs) and it doesn't come naturally overnight, but just the fact that we've embarked on this journey and we recognize that the old way of thinking, the, the diet mentality, the diet culture mindset is no longer serving us. I believe that's one of those key moments that we actually are on the path of becoming that intuitive eater. And it's a path that will continually unfold because it does take time for our brains to learn how to automatically think in a new way that invites self-compassion, self-awareness, and lets go of some of the things that diet culture mindset taught us to include perfectionism and all or nothing thinking. So being an intuitive eater isn't about reaching an end goal. A lot of people, because of our diet mindset, we're like, okay, we know intuitive eating is working when we've checked off these boxes, when our body has changed. I see that as another thing that a lot of women and men embark on the intuitive eating journey to do is to change their bodies. The root cause or the root of what a lot of women want is they want to be in that smaller body. And that is something that is probably, at least in my observation, the last thing that we shed in this process, so many women are still wanting that for themselves, which there's no shame in that. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong. Um, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't one of those women at one point either. In the back of their mind, subconsciously or consciously, still want to be in that smaller body and are still thinking that intuitive eating is going to be the quote unquote easier way to get to that destination. Exactly. Well, I think what I hear a lot of times is the thinking patterns that come up that I have observed is that, well, if I'm being an intuitive eater, I think that my body will change because naturally it'll happen. I won't be forcing it. So it's almost kind of like this. I'm 
toying with the fact that I'm not no longer attempting to control it. I'm just going to allow it to naturally change, but we're still in the back of our mind, hoping that it'll change. Yeah. And, and here's the thing I want to really be clear on the intuitive eating journey is not condoning that you, your, your body is at an unhealthy place for the rest of your life. I think there's a lot of confusion. We've actually done, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I want to say it was episode two, season two. So if you're curious to dive in a little bit more into that, that piece that Beth is talking about, that's the episode. Yeah. So it's just that, you know, I think that there's a misnomer or a myth that intuitive eating is just condoning women, men, humans to walk down a quote unquote unhealthy path for their body. And that couldn't be further from the truth. So I really want to separate that for just a second to let you know, we can become intuitive eaters who learn how to nourish their body in a way that cultivates the healthiest version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But because for so long, diet culture mindset has equated a smaller body to a healthy body, we have to do the work to start to separate that. And that's the work here. And that's where I see it being quote unquote dietized is we still have this underlying belief that a smaller body is that healthier body. And that may be true. And it may not be true. That's where we have to separate again from that all or nothing thinking, because our bodies might change, our bodies might get smaller on the intuitive eating journey, our bodies might not. And so we have to, um, and and I won't say it's easy for, especially the women I've worked with, it doesn't feel easy, at least at first, but we have to recognize this is a path to creating health in the body, regardless of the final outcome to the body size. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you right now, take a breath. If you recognize yourself in this, because this is, I find in my coaching program, this is, we spend a lot of time here mm-hmm. at really supporting and being compassionate with one another around this topic, because, you know, we can let go of the all or nothing. This is my observation, Tammy. It's easier to let go of the all or nothing thinking about the hunger and the fullness. And it's sometimes those deeper layers of the subconscious are still holding on to wanting to be in that smaller body. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Uh, we're all doing this work together. And, but I do see that as just another product of that dietization of the intuitive eating realm. Do you want to add anything there? Well, I just want to actually just reflect a little bit. I think one of the biggest pieces that I heard coming from you is that it's a practice in a sense. It's something that we continue to practice with. I can tell you that in my life, I still use some of these principles on the day-to-day to remember, and there'll be little tiny little moments that'll ping me that I'll say, oh, that's diet culture. <laughs> and I'll think, oh, that's interesting. Where did that come from? But I, again, I can be aware of it. And then you tapped into kind of the next piece, which is being really compassionate with ourselves. You mentioned how your group is very compassionate with each other and supporting each other. And I will highlight, yes, those women are absolutely amazing at being compassionate towards each other. And what that's helping them also do is to being compassionate with themselves. And that's going to be really another one of your best ways to not turn intuitive eating into a diet. So if you're finding yourself thinking or responding in a way that's not self-compassionate, there could be an opportunity there for you to 
lean into intuitive eating just a little bit more because that'll help you really open up that self-compassion. Yeah. And I think to add a layer to that and blend it in with your comment about all or nothing thinking, when we get into all or nothing thinking, which is very human and very, very normal, we also from that place begin to fall into that guilt and shame spiral. And so it's very normal. So just as Tammy was illustrating with some examples, I just ate beyond fullness. Therefore, I'm not an intuitive eater. Oh my gosh, I'm doing it wrong. I don't really think I can do this. This is probably not for me. My body's going to change. I'm going to gain a whole. You see how like the spiral of thoughts just balloons. Like it's almost this horizontal expansion of thoughts that don't serve us. And that's where I want to emphasize that self-compassion piece. And the self, well, first self-awareness, because first the first step is just to be like, whoa, what is happening here? <laughs> like the all or nothing thinking wasn't just about eating beyond fullness. It, it turned into this whole narrative or story about something else. And then from that awareness, we can begin to practice the self-compassion and be like, wow, how is this not serving me now? And how can I forgive myself and love on myself? in this moment and recognize that I am only human and I can also make new choices in the next moment. And the next moment it's about present living moment, just as much as it is about releasing some of these old patterns. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just to recap for this episode um, is that it is very normal. (laughs) If you have found yourself falling into the maybe the habit right of dietizing and intuitive eating super normal there is no shame in the fact that that you're doing this what will also help you to not turn intuitive eating to your next best diet is to basically use that awareness around all or nothing thinking finding out where it's at and really letting go of the perfectionism if you're experiencing that and Allowing yourself to have this as a practice of self-compassion and just be really, really gentle with yourself. Before we dive into the transformational takeaway, Beth, I'm curious, is there anything else that you want to add on this topic? I think we've tied a nice bow around it. We could probably talk ad nauseum. (laughs) And I think that this is a great opportunity to stop and allow whoever's listening to just reflect on their own journey and decide what's going to be best for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's always their journey, isn't it? It's not ours. It's theirs. We've we've had ours. (laughs) (laughs) We're still having ours. (laughs) It's continuously unfolding. So here's what we wanted to share with you is the transformational takeaway. The thing that you can just take away from this episode, okay, is that you can't fail at intuitive eating. Okay. You are also not more or less of an intuitive eater, meaning I'm more an intuitive eater this day or less this day, or you you are not more or less of intuitive eater. And if you're practicing the principles of intuitive eating, you're already an intuitive eater. Like you just are. All you have to do is commit to practicing and that makes you an intuitive eater. So the last reflection I will offer you all, and this might be something that you can take with you 
on a day-to-day-to-day to ask yourself is, are you treating your intuitive eating experience like a journey or a destination? And that may help you to identify if you're dietizing it a little bit. So I think that's it. All right. Much love you all. Bye-bye. Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If so, please be sure to click that little subscribe button. Also tell all of your family, friends, coworkers, whomever you want to tell, even get Gabby at the grocery store if you'd like. Um, Also be sure to join the free Facebook community for mindful and intuitive eating, where you will receive not one, but two journal prompts every single week to help you with your own personal transformation on this journey of healing. Much love to you and thanks for listening in.